I appreciate um, Jared. He's gone with me to just minister in different places. One of them is uh, Miss May Penland. She really likes him a lot. So she, uh, she, she likes him to come visit her, and we've gone to visit her before. So um, let me pray with you um, as you come to speak. Lord, we love you. Thank you for um, helping us to build our life upon you and upon your love. And thank you that it's a firm foundation. And I pray right now that... Um, just from the overflow of what you've done in Jared's life and how you've uh, just put the gift of God in him through the laying out of your hands, I pray that you would just fan into flame right now that gift and uh, he would just share in peace and in just relaxing in you and uh, you would just, just help him to share his passion for you and his love for you. I know he loves you and he loves your word. So thank you for just ministering through him to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, all right. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Jared Harum, and I am 18, and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life or anything like that, uh, but I know that I made it through today. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, let's see. My best friends are Trash Kitty, um, Sarah and Jeff, <laughs> uh, Bo Kelly, and the whole youth group, and everyone here. And basically, you guys are family, and um, I just want to really thank you guys for uh, just everything you guys have done as a body, and um, the time, money, effort, prayer, everything you've invested to us, um, you've seen uh, uh, today, um, and the world will see eventually. Um, um, you know, I've heard for uh, just a really long time that... Um, you know, people have been praying for a generation that would just um, just not forfeit uh, God for the world. Um, and I, I, just, I see that in our youth group, uh, and it really is special to be a part of. Um, it's awesome. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, the main um, topic, or the main sum up tonight is radical reality brings to light radical truth and radical truth calls for radical obedience. Um, I went to Haiti um, about a year ago um, and I thank you guys for uh, <clears throat> funding uh, and the money you guys donated towards that and the prayers. Um, but that was, I mean, that changed my life. I've never seen a thing the same uh, again after that trip. Um, I, uh, I realized that I had grown up in what was the reality of the United States and what was re the reality and the blessings that God has given us um, in our homeland and where we lived, um, live. And uh, I just realized that that wasn't exactly the reality of the world. That, uh, you know, we look at the United States, but God looks at the world. Um, and we look at people, but he looks at the soul and the heart. Um, so, uh, you know, coming back from Haiti, it was just like, I was just wondering what, just from everything I'd seen, just what, what life was about now, because there had to be some reason that, you know, I have everything and have been given everything, and um, they have nothing, and uh, that their outward uh, physical poverty is just as, um, it's a mirrored reflection of their inward spiritual poverty. Um, but uh, I wrote um, 
I wrote about Haiti. Um, how is Haiti? Uh, this question pains my mind. As I close my eyes to see a stricken people, the malnourished child, five, year olds, five years old, screams with joy to see me, a foreigner, a stranger. The mother and her six children abandoned by a husband and a father. They are currently praying daily for their next meal to eat. In their torn, pink, one-person kid's tent, they all share. They lay crammed together every night, wondering if tomorrow they will eat food or drink clean water, or if they will be overtaken by disease and to death. Do you want to know how Haiti was? Will you turn away your ear when you don't hear the story pleasing to your ear? When you hear the truth, will you ignore it? Will you care enough to remember it? Reality check. The young infant, the young infant lays lifeless on the hard, dusty, hot ground, weak, breathing with a slight weeds. I pick up this fragile little one, the child and I, wanting to cry. I felt the rumble in his chest um, when he breathed. The mother proceeds to tell me her baby was sick and has had diarrhea for days. No hospital to go to, no visible hope in sight. He breathes and I breathe. Our breathing is in sync. Two, two humans, one has everything, and one barely has the life in his breath. Uh. Man, I've read this so many times, dang. Okay. Um, this moment utterly ripped into my being as I looked into those small innocent eyes helpless in the grip of reality. The prayer for this child came from the depths of everything I'd ever known. By faith I came, in tears I left, but not in vain. When I left the hot portion of dirt this family had, everything had changed from that moment forward. Walking down the dry, dusty streets, the children stormed the thick, healthy-looking white people, begging in hopes for food, water, or money. My life slowed down in that moment, but the tears from a shattered reality did not. I lost something in that moment. An idea, an idea I was born into, an idea I was made of, and I never wanted it back. The American way and the American dream will never be my way or my dream. In the brick house tucked away behind the rubble <clears throat> lives a man who lost his wife, all he had. He says it's good to see Christians in Haiti. It lets him know there's hope. Walking away, the translator tells me, witchcraft drains and confuses the people. Have you heard the wonderful mission story your ear desired? I don't desire to tell you stories anymore. I desire that you hear the truth. In the face of tragedy, we look to glory, where one sits enthroned above every other. We look to the one who the, whom the nations will exalt and know that he is God and there is no other like him, however he chooses to do so. Um, and, I mean, I sat and thought about this for a long time, and I was reading in Psalms, uh, just trying to, trying to find where, where, did, <clears throat> where did this life situation in Haiti uh, fit into uh, God's picture of things. I mean, uh, the government, there was no government, there was no help, like, anywhere. Um, anyways, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present ever help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, 
and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought to the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, the bow, and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. What greater honor could I attain on this earth than being a bondservant for the sake of Christ, abandoning this life and the patterns of it to help those who can't help themselves? The orphans, the widows, the downtrodden, the insane, the outcasts, it's time to start thinking like followers of Jesus Christ and not like modern American Christians. It's time to be Christians who aren't just willing to give everything up for the sake of Christ, but to be Christians who find ways to give everything up for his name. I plead before you not just to accept the truth, but to be crucified at the feet of it, utterly destroyed, helplessly enthralled by him. He is truth. Amen. Each of God's people are a unique offering before his eyes to be poured out for his glory, period. Followers of Jesus Christ have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Everything to give coming from a spiritually abundant life to a dying world. Dear reader, I don't want you to be sympathetic. I want you to be thankfully broken into repentance. Nothing happens by chance. You have been given much to give much. It was never God's intent for us to sit comfortable in his blessings. My friends, grace has been given to give. It was never his intent It was never his intent that we would work our whole lives for our own gain, stowing away our money. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ who denied himself and went to the cross? Are you a disciple of the American dream? Sin is sin is right and righteousness is righteousness. As the color is op- as the color black is opposite to white. Jesus Jesus Christ is truth and everything else I know is a lie or of no gain to me. The biggest fallacy in America is that half the truth is still the truth. We have held close to the half of the gospel that is mainly salvation while rejecting the walk to the cross. Now much has been said, and I find myself, Jared Isaiah Haram, to be the biggest hypocrite of all. Um, my final appeal in my current status, I was raised in a picture with a small frame, one so beautiful and comfortable, but as truth himself beautifully desolates everything I thought was, My dreams and my desires, some rooted in the innermost part of my being, must cease at the incomparable glory and purpose in Jesus Christ. Um, So hopefully that was understandable. Um, Hopefully that just wasn't, um, yeah, anyways. Uh, Now the truth, to to back back up what I just said, um, and I, I think about these often, and you know, I compare them up to my life, and I just, a lot of the times, just I just don't see my life lining up with these truths, um, and uh, we're all a work in progress. <laughs> um, Luke nine twenty four through twenty five. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man? 
If he gains the whole world and he himself, he himself is destroyed or lost. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Let this mind, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. All right. Um, so that is uh, my own personal revelation of Haiti. Um, uh, so, <clears throat> all right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm going to start looking up at you. All right. So, I'm going to start tonight with a story. Um, and the story is there was a man and his family, and um, I didn't make up the story. I actually heard it um, on the radio. But uh, there was a man, and he came home to his family, and he had three beautiful daughters and a wife, and his life was great. He had everything you could ever dream. Um, his daughters were, were beautiful, pure, and uh, they were just the light of his life, and his, his wife, too. Um, and, you know, life was great. And uh, he came home one day, and he, he found his two daughters and his wife on the floor, and they were dead, and he was just in shock. And uh, he ran into the last room, and he watched um, a murderer just grasp the life, the last breath of life out of his daughter, his last daughter. Um, so... Um, the police came and got the man uh, before the father did, the, the guy um, did. And uh, this was a huge case. Um, and before the judge stood the two men. And so just imagine that there's two men right here. And um, it's easy for us, and this is two representations of us. It's easy for me to stand here and say, okay, someone wronged me, and, um, you know, they deserve to pay. This is, like, I mean, he killed my family. Like, are you kidding? Like, he deserves to die. Um, but the reality of um, any situation like that where we've been wronged or anything like that is that um, Romans 3.23, um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So automatically... Regardless, that puts me and a murderer right here on the very same level. So basically, we're all murderers. We've all committed sin, which is treason against the most high God. Nate said that stuck with me forever. Um, so as of at this point, with our sin, with humanity's sin, um, it stands before the judge. And this man, me, um, I mean, he's already lived his, his life. He has nothing else. He's got no hope. 
He, the only thing he hopes in is that that judge is ruling, and that judge's ruling is you are guilty, and that someone is going to need to pay because you murdered, you sinned, you fell short of um, the standard. Um, so I mean that's a that's a that's a biblical way to look at it. Um, we're all just as guilty as the murderer. Um, we are horribly doomed in and of ourselves. Uh, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So the man stands before the judge, and the judge says, I'm a good judge, I'm a just judge, but I'm also really great, so I'm gonna let you go. And instead of you dying, I'll send my son. Um, so automatically, when, when this man accepts the judge's offer to go free at the cost of the judge's son, who is God, at the cost of God's son, from that moment to this moment, he's no longer his, he doesn't have a life to live. He doesn't have, you know, the, his, his hopes and aspirations and all these different things that he, he wanted. It's, it doesn't matter anymore. Okay, because he's been freed and his life is not his own. Um, so God pulls John 3.16 and sends his son. For God so loved the world that God gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So this man from now on lives for eternal life, not for this life. He's got no part in this life but what it means in eternal life. Um, so from this moment uh, when he walks away when me and you walk away after salvation we've become Romans 6.18 you've been set free from sin and the wages of sin is death so if we're set free from death we've become slaves to righteousness Um, so what is the appropriate response for this man who who had his chance, wasted his chance, and now he has a life to live. What is just the reasonable, basic, foundational response for this man? And the reasonable, basic response to God for this man, woman, is Romans 12, one through two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. What is God, God's will, what God's will is. Um, his, good, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow, sorry. Um, now, the, the Greek word for uh, sacrifice in Romans 12.1 is, uh, I believe it's pronounced Husea, and in Strong's, that is the victim. Um, now, when, um, if you read on a little bit past, uh, past um, in Strong's, it, it's referring to the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And when, when sacrifices were made into the Old Testament, um, it wasn't like, uh, 
like the when when they had the uh, the goat or the lamb or the calf, it wasn't like they took the calf's arm, and they were like, "All right, we'll just cut you when we're ready," and we'll just no. They they slit the ram at or they slit whatever it was at the throat and they drained it. So you know, like in my modern American mindset that I just fight daily. Um, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, I'll just I'll read my Bible and I'll just, man, uh, I'll read my Bible and not watch Netflix or, um, oh, today I'll go help the poor or something. Ah, oh, that's a sacrifice. When really um, the appropriate response is God, okay, my life is yours. My priorities, everything that I thought once was is not. And everything that you think is will be what I am going to be. So the appropriate response is just like we're, we don't live our own lives anymore. Um, um, for us to be living sacrifices. Um, and on a change of note, I mean, I, we, we hear like the, this hard truth and we don't, um, I mean, it's hard to, to look at verses like uh, Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, Luke 17, 33, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Um, it's hard to, to find reality in those. Um, um, and really, I mean, just lately and just the season I'm in, it's like uh, the devil's been uh, just, talk, like, just talking to me. It's, he's asking me, do you really believe this book? Like, do you really believe what this says? Um, and is it really worth wasting your life on, your life on? Whether that's college or the job I want or the career I'll choose, um, is this book really worth it? Um, what if I'm wrong? What if it's just an idea in my head? An idea in my head. Um, and after, I mean, I struggle with this for a while, like uh, pretty much before I go to sleep every night. It's like, man, what if you've, what if you're just crazy? <laughs> um, but uh, the verse that always comes to my mind and uh, pretty much puts me to sleep is uh, Revelation 12, 10 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed, him, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Um, it's talking about the, the martyrs. They didn't love their lives enough to save their lives from death for the sake of Christ. Um, but the real, I mean, the big part uh, for me personally is uh, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So I'm always going back to God, you changed me. I remember who I was. I remember the things I did. I remember the way I lived life. And I remember dying um, to that person and becoming a new creation. So in that moment, I could overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Um, 
Um, so I've been asking myself this question too for a long time, um, and I guess it's the, just the question I have uh, for us this evening. Um, it's do you really believe uh, the Bible? Do you really believe the divine word of God, God-breathed, useful for um, teaching, living, can't remember the verse right now, <laughs> but, uh, um, and if we do believe it in our hearts and in our minds, do we believe it with our lives? Um, uh, John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we just look at that one verse and we say, okay, Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and him being the way means there's no other way for me, there's no other way for you, there's no other way to act, no other way to talk, no other way to pursue, no other way to go. And if I say he is the truth, then everything else really is a lie. Everything else I know, everything else I love, everything else I want if it's not the truth that Jesus Christ in and of himself, the word became flesh, then it's a lie. And if he is the life, then he's what our entire life revolves around. He's what every decision we make revolves around. Um, we don't, we, we, you know, I, I have to be careful. Like When I make life decisions, which I'm fixing to have to, and I've had to here lately, you know, I, my first Instinct is to make it for me. It's my life. I'll make my own decisions. But that is, that's not the position I'm in with God. <laughs> you know, that's not, um, I haven't been spared um, a horrible death um, burning in hell. I haven't been spared that to go run off and do my own thing. Um, you know, and abuse God's grace. And then one day to stand before God, you know, the God who right now in heaven, thousands and Thousands of angels are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and who thousands are telling Jesus that he's worthy and that he was worthy of how he was slain. Um, <clears throat> do we believe 2 Corinthians 5.10? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us might receive what is due us for the things we've done while in the body whether good or bad. I mean, um, and then if we would just realize um, who it is we are in communion with, who it is that we, uh, that we live for, who it is that we um, come to church every Sunday and Wednesday for, who it is that hopefully me and you live for, because I don't always live for Christ. It's not, you know, it's something I try to do, but um, I fail um, quite a bit. Um, but Isaiah 40, 11 through 15. Now, when we look at this, let's just see it for what it is. Um, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breath, or where the bread is. <laughs> breath, okay, sorry. <laughs> or the breath of his hand marked off the heavens. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains 
on the scales and the hills in a balance. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, of the Lord, or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. So if we're just looking at God from that perspective, that all the nations are a drop in the bucket and then you zoom in and then you zoom in and then there's me and I'm like a blade of grass. I'm, I'm shifty, I'm not very strong. Um, but the fact that, that Jesus Christ, that God would humble himself to come down to that level, like that's the level he came down to, um, everything was perfect in heaven. Um, I mean, he was being worship, he's being worshiped. Um, but the fact that he loved us that much, that he, he came down in that sense um, and humbled himself, um, that's the God we'll stand before. And, you know, when I think about, I don't want to stand before him and, and say, oh, Lord, I, you know, I, I kind of did my own thing and I pursued my own, my passions and my pleasures. And, and Lord, I talked about you and I, I, I put you in there at different times of my day and different times of my life. But I basically did my own thing and I just kind of shoved God into it you know, instead of just being like, God, okay, this isn't my life. You know, I'm just a sacrifice. I'm just something that you saved and set apart for your own purpose to give you glory. Um, so there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of things we're called to do as Christians. Um, but 1 John 2, 3 through 6 pretty much sums it up. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone desires, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are of him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Christ did. That is a huge statement. Like if we just, oh, I'm gonna live as Christ did, that is impossible. Like I, I don't even, um, I mean, it's not impossible. <laughs> it seems impossible. Um, and that's what we're called to. And Second Peter 1, 3 is how we're gonna do it. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I didn't really come in tonight thinking I was gonna preach a message. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I did, but I mean, this is just, for me personally, like coming to terms with this has been one of, just a fight for my life. Like it has just been, insane, but it's been worth it. It's worth it because one day we're going to see him as he is. And once we see him as he is, it's just, it's just how he is. It's, it's everything we're ever going to need. It's the only hope I have. It's the only hope you have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, 
still trying to figure things out. Um, this week's been really heavy, um, just in general. And I just, uh, I thank God that, um, you know, he's faithful. He still holds on to us. Uh, nothing really separates me from his love or his pursuit of me. Um, and I just thank you guys for listening, too. Um, it's just, it really is an honor to get up and, and just talk to you guys and, um, and just share really uh, my personal um, my personal beliefs and um, in this book. And uh, I just thank you guys so much for uh, everything you've done for me and for, for CLBC. That, I mean, just thank you for uh, James and Gary. Because I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it at all, guys. And uh, Sarah and Jeff and everyone else. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't go through all you guys. I love all you. But uh, yeah, thank you guys. Stay up here for just a second.